Welcome to The Ringer Podcast Network. It's Liz Kelly. This week, we launched a new show on the network called The Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Coming from the guys who brought you the Fantasy Football Podcast, Danny Heifetz, Danny Kelly, and Craig Korolbeck will guide you through the fantasy football season, providing analysis on big picture conversations like weekly matchups, trades, and daily fantasy. The show will run every Monday and Wednesday throughout the rest of the summer, and we'll be helping you through the regular season as well. So follow and listen to the first episode of the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast out now for free on Spotify. What do we hear about Chavilla, the Diaz brothers? What about them? What about Gaspar Gomez? What is he going to do when you start moving 2,000 kids? Fuck Gaspar Gomez and fuck the fucking Diaz brothers. Fuck them all. I buried those cockroaches. Every single day of my life has been worse than the day before it. So that means that every single day that you see me, that's on the worst day of my life. What about today? Is today the worst day of your life? Yeah. Wow, that's messed up. Hello, I'm Jason Concepcion and welcome, welcome to the inaugural episode of The Connect, a podcast series about movie intersections hosted by myself and Shea Serrano. Let's go, baby. New York Let's go, baby. Times. Do it. Best-selling author, Shea Serrano. Do it, do it, do it, do it. In which we talk about two movies per episode, one picked by me, one picked by Shea, and then we talk about the themes which connect them. Today, the theme is Work Friends a depressed programmer and his two buddies struggle against TPS reports and an unruly printer and an ambitious Cuban exile and his friends discover the importance of work-life balance on the streets of Miami. It's 1999's Office Space and 1983's Scarface. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. So Office Space and Scarface. Let's talk about Office Space 1999, written and directed by Mike Judge, starring Ron Livingston, Jennifer Aniston, David Herman, and Gary Cole. Mike Judge broke into filmmaking through animation. And in fact, at this time, he was primarily known for his series Beavis and Butthead, which ran for eight seasons on MTV. Office Space is based on Milton, another of Judge's animated shorts, and is just a classic workplace comedy. I first saw this on DVD. I think this might have been like the second or third DVD that I ever owned. It was the Robert De Niro movie, spy movie, <laughs> Ronin, was the first DVD that's I a, ever that's bought. That's a solid pick. I, mine was Blade. So you've got Ronin, <laughs> I've got Blade. One. 
Blade is good. Blade was great. Then it was Snatch was my next DVD. You're two, you're two for two, honestly. Two for two. You're two for two. And then Office Space. And I think the third one after that was The Lord of the Rings. Uh, you know, just like just a movie that you end up talking about with your friends all the time. And also a movie like it, watching it now. It's wild how little was going on in the late 90s. Nothing was like compared <laughs> to what's happening in 2020. Nothing was happening. The main concern about this movie is Peter is working a job that is boring that looks like it pays really well and he's just sad about it. Meanwhile, like today, people be like, give me this fucking job, whatever. What, what reports do I have to put out? Great. I'll just I will write those reports. Do I need to come in on a Saturday? I, it, that sucks, but I'll do it. <laughs> One of the funniest use of soundtracks at the time, I remember like this was a movie that we would just have parties at my friend's house on a Friday and stuff and drink some stuff and then watch this movie and just laugh. Can I admit something to you? And this is absolutely this is deeply, deeply personal. And I would never say it to anyone else, Jason, but I'm going to tell you because I think for this for this podcast to work, for me and you to be a good partnership, we have to. Be honest. We have to be able to tell each other the hard things. We have to be able to sit in those uncomfortable moments together. Okay. I'm excited. Much like the way you hear like stories of racist soldiers from the 50s and 60s serving together during the Vietnam War. They find themselves in a combat situation and they put their differences aside, even if only momentarily, to be racist together against a different group of people. So let me admit this, Jason. Yes. I didn't like Office Space the first time I saw it. That's okay. That's true. That's a true thing. That's a, a real thing because, because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the humor at that point in my life. I had not worked any real sort of job. So everything that was happening in it that was supposed to be funny was going right over my head. I didn't understand the jokes. Uh, it wasn't until I revisited it years later, a decade later, maybe. And I had worked those jobs. So I'm watching it now and I'm like, oh, oh, I get it. This is, this is truly brilliant. This is like, I rewatched it last night in preparation for this podcast. And the part where Peter's sitting at the restaurant table with Jennifer Aniston after he's been hypnotized into not caring yes. about anything. And he's explaining that he doesn't like work. So he's not going to go back and yeah. he doesn't like paying bills. So he's not going to pay bills anymore. He's just going to be alive and exist. I'm watching that scene last night, especially amidst all of this terrible stuff that's going on. I'm watching that scene and I could feel in my protons, in my electrons, a profound appreciation and envy, a real envy. He is in that moment, Jason, I would argue perhaps the most free adult that I have ever yes. seen in my life. And it's so fulfilling to watch. It's like, it's like in the matrix when Neo takes the pill and is released Mm -hmm. that's what happened to Peter in that moment. He's just like, you know what? I don't want to work. I just want to like hang out and- uh, Watch Kung Fu movies and fucking go to Applebee's or whatever. Watch Kung Fu with a beautiful, funny woman and not work, especially on a weekend. But it is, it is really, it is jarring to watch it now and be like, man, this is what we were concerned about is like how much having a good job sucks. Like, cause I was the same as you. When uh -huh. I first saw that movie, I was like, you know, I was like, I think I was maybe working at Old Navy. Like I was working at like some crap stuff. Like I was doing like catering, cater waitering. I was not like working good jobs. Certainly not a job where 
you can sit down and just sit at a computer. Like you had to move around all the time. I used to, I had this, this is an aside, but I had this uh, trick. <laughs> when I used to work catering, especially uh-huh. when we do big like weddings and stuff, I had this trick to not get roped into like doing stuff. And it was this. So you'd see all the waiters <laughs> and they'd be like moving chairs or unloading chairs or bringing like crates of, of like cups to the kitchen or taking stuff out. My thing would be, I'd take like an empty milk crate or like the, it, the crate that the cups would be in. Mm-hmm. And I'd take that and then I'd walk very quickly across a room like, like I had some place to go. <laughs> and that somebody had told me with to go to that empty crate <laughs> with an empty crate, but I had nowhere to go. I just moved like I had been told to do something, and people just see that and they think, "Oh, that's that guy's killing it. That guy's going, <laughs> that guy's going somewhere." <laughs> and I would just do that for hours. I'd go back and forth and back and forth as if I was like loading these crates. Yeah, and I was carrying one crate back and forth and back and forth the whole time. The boss is fucking this guy, Jason. Fucking yeah, unloaded 75 crates today. It's unreal. He's crushing it. <laughs> so does this happen to you? This is this is already going to be a, a heavier conversation than I had anticipated, but I have to ask sure. you this because we are about the same age. Steve is much yeah. younger, so he still has his whole life the ahead child. of him. Me Steve's and you. Like, Steve's got his umbilical cord like literally on the camera right now. <laughs> it's unreal how young he is. But me and you are done. We are the- Yeah, the, we're finished. All of we're the cooked. best things- that were ever going to happen to us in our lives have already it. happened. It's so it. we're on the we other side. We lost our virginity. We met women. We ate ate great food. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, so let me ask: when you watch a when you watch a movie, when I was a kid and I would watch a movie, when I would watch Blade, I would be like, "Yes, I want to be a fucking vampire hunter." When I would watch. I want to be a race car driver. I want to. I want to be a rock climber like Chris o- O'Donnell in fucking Vertical Limit. I was like chasing these these big dreams. That I, but when I watch movies now, I just want to do what Peter. Like I just want to be free of any responsibilities and not have to like answer an email or or record a podcast or anything like that. Do you feel that is this happening to you as well? That it happens less to me with movies. In movies. I can totally give myself up to whatever's going on in the characters. And it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter what it is. Like whether it's an animated movie, whether it's a movie aimed at kids or whether it's a movie from 50 years ago, I can usually like lose myself in it. Where I experience that now is when I watch sports because it used to be like, I'd watch basketball and I'd be like, Mm -hmm. my dream is to be the starting point guard for the New York Knicks make the first make first team all nba win the title <laughs> average like 30 10 and 10 you know wow. like you As know a like point just guard. Cra- yeah just like crazy <laughs> shit you know but now it's like i'm just like freaking ryan saunders is like looks like a child like he, and he's the coach <laughs> of the team of the Timberwolves. Yeah, 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 like yeah. now i watch them and it's like I guess I would coach now. Like I'd be the coach. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I even enjoy this anymore? Let's let's go the the opposite direction here. The opposite of what what office space is. Because again, the theme for this week is work friends. So at the center of this movie is three friends who are just like trying to figure some shit out. That's all that it is. We're going to go the opposite direction. We're going to get uh, much higher stakes for the movie that I picked, Scarface, which is 1983. Take it to the limit. Beautiful. Beautiful. Written by Oliver Stone, directed by Brian De Palma, Pacino, Bauer, Pfeiffer, 
It's great. We don't have to like go through all of this stuff. This is a, this is like a big, gigantic movie that nobody huge, missed. huge movie. When, when did you when did you see this, Jason? How old were you? Do you remember? I gotta tell you, like I saw a lot of inappropriate movies as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, that like I think I might have seen this movie when I was like eight or nine. I saw Alien. Alien is the first time that's the, that's a movie that sticks in my memory because I was so young when I saw it. Yeah. And, I, and Scarface is another one like that. And John Borman's Excalibur. I think I was like nine years old when I watched Scarface and I didn't really understand it. I didn't I, I had no kind of conception about like Coke and stuff, but I just knew that <laughs> I just knew that visually there was always so much going on and it was. There were not a lot of movies that I had seen to that point that had the color palette and the camera movement that exists in this movie. <laughs> you're, you're, you're nine years old noticing color palettes? I was like, this is like a really colorful movie. <laughs> I, I, I thought that Al Pacino, I thought that was his voice. <laughs> I was just absolutely sucked into it. And it, like the violence and everything, I was like enthralled by it. I was like, this is incredible. This is I incredible. Should I, I be watching this movie? No, but no. I was watching it. I didn't watch it until Scarface. It's one of those situations where like you go your whole life without seeing it. Like we didn't have cable at my house or so I, I go all up the way through until like 18 and then I get to school and then I'm 19. And like, I think my second year of school, I got a DVD player. And so I started watching a bunch of old movies that, and Scarface was one of them. Like they sell it at Walmart for like $5 or whatever in a, in a little little bundle and it took like i put it in i started watching it and it took probably however long that first scene is when tony montana is sitting in the chair getting interrogated by the intake officials for me to like fall in love with his character with this movie he was just he was so he was he was so charming in it but more than that because a lot of people are charming in movies more than that he was also so just obviously dangerous and it gave me like a very weird feeling in my chest that i couldn't separate those two things apart from each other. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's like very exciting to watch. The same thing happened with somebody like, like Hannibal Lecter or, or Amy Dunn, like they're dangerous. You can see like, has this thing ever happened to you, Jason, when you're, when you're walking, let's say you're in like a parking lot of a grocery store and you're walking to your car and everything's fine and normal and good. And then you see one of those, like one of those drainage grates on the ground that the rainwater is supposed to flow into. And I, and I don't know what it is. And maybe this is not even a thing that everyone feels, but sometimes when I see that drainage grate and perhaps all of the time, when I see the drainage grate, I just want to fucking throw my car keys in there like immediately. And I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know what it is. It's dumb. I, I, it's, it's dumb and it's entirely counterproductive. But for some reason, the thought of throwing my keys in there is just like a thing that I feel in my gut. It, it, that's how I feel about Tony. Montana. He's dangerous. He's like, he's a fucking pit viper. He's a hungry bear. I know I should be scared of him, but I just, I want to climb over the wall in the zoo and fucking hug this bear. There's just something that pulls you in. Yeah. I think that first scene, you know, thinking back on it now, I had never, I don't think I'd ever seen anybody as confident as Tony. He's unreal. Never scared in this movie. He, there's one moment when his buddy is getting his head chainsawed right in the beginning of the film, his first, mm-hmm. the first couple of steps in his come up. The, you know, they're forcing his, him to yeah, watch Yeah, he's it. trying to look and away. He, and he looks upset about it, but he doesn't look necessarily scared. And I had never seen anyone not be scared by these situations. He's being interrogated by the cops and immigration officials, and he's just like, 
telling them about how much communism sucks and like how he's not a criminal. He just had to do what he had to do. He's convincing. He's very convinced. He has guns put on. He's just whatever is talking shit to these drug dealers who are clearly powerful and juiced up and have a lot of money and have guns on them. He's working at like a taco stand and is like and is talking shit to them. It was (laughs) I had never seen anyone with that level of balls. I think the secret ingredient here for Tony, what what, always pushes him ahead of most of the other ones, is that he's like 30% funny. He's just clever. Yeah, he's funny. And he'll turn a phrase and spin it on you. And and it's like that combination of just being funny and charming and dangerous. Again, it just pulls you in. That's what happened with, with, with Manny, with his best friend. Manny understood all of those things about him. He understood how dangerous Tony was, but he couldn't help himself. He couldn't escape his gravity. He probably didn't even really want, like he wants to be around Tony. That's why when we started talking about doing this particular episode, the work friends episode, immediately I was like, oh, I know exactly who I want. I know without a doubt the work friends I want to talk about. Tony and Manny. The thing that uh, I think, you know, people might say, okay, office space, a 90s comedy and Scarface, like a hardcore gangster film. How do they connect necessarily? And how are these both workplace stories? The thing to me that really stood out when watching them is the way like it's all about how do people balance careers and personal relationships? And there's different answers within these different movies. But within Scarface, you see how a person's ambition can take over and how that can affect them in a, in detriment to their relationships with the people they love, with the people they're friends with. Tony is just a guy who is so driven that he's willing to like forget everything else, cut ties with anyone. And then to me, like the, the part of the movie that really gets deep is when he starts being, you know, like there's that scene, he's at dinner uh, with, with Michelle Pfeiffer and, and Manny. And he's just like, is this it? This is it. This is what we do now. This is like, Mm -hmm. this is it. We've accomplished everything. I'm making millions of dollars a week. We go out to dinner I do crimes and that's it. This is it. This is all we can, this is all that there is to life. And I was like, man, that is, that's existential. That's deep stuff. So what I really enjoy about that scene, that's a good way to get into the conversation of the type of friendship that Tony and Manny have, because it's very easy to watch this movie and be like, oh, this is like a very macho guy. He's just a sort of unstoppable alpha force who by sheer force of will is going to go from, from, Cuban exile all the way up to like the kingpin of Miami Coke. If you watch the movie only with the intention of like inspecting or trying to understand or unravel the friendship between Manny and Tony becomes this very touching thing. Because listen, Manny is there for every big moment of Tony's life that we see. Every big one. It's Manny who's standing next to him. They immigrated to America together. That's an extremely intimate act. It's Manny who who, who Tony calls on to be like, if I'm not back in 15 minutes, come get me. He trusts him with that responsibility. It's Manny. Manny almost blows it. But he doesn't. He gets in there. He takes a bullet like it's nothing, keeps going. It's Manny who Tony brings to Frank's house. It's Manny who Tony calls after he's been shot in the club. It's Manny who's the best man at Tony's wedding. Every single big thing, Manny is there. But what really, to me, is like interesting about their relationship is when you start looking at all of the small stuff that they do together, the small conversations they have, the small moments that they share. I'm just going to make this bit up 
right now. We didn't plan this one, but I'm going to give this to you. From here going forward, every episode, I'm going to give you like a top five things from a thing. Okay. And in this particular instance, these are the top five small things Manny and Tony do together that show you how close they are, how close of friends they are. Here's number five. They both enjoy the same drink together. There's a scene where Tony goes to Frank's house the first time and Frank, as they're like doing their introductions or whatever, he asks them if they want something to drink. And when he asks, Manny and Tony look at each other and they're both like almost at the exact same time, gin, 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 gin. And then they both get a, a drink. Like they knew, they knew what the other person's drink was. Jason, you and I have been together for dinner 20, 30, 40 times yes. maybe. In different parts of the country, we have done That's this. Right. I would very much consider you a very good work friend. And when I was watching that scene yesterday, I started thinking, do I know what drink Jason gets when we go out to eat? Again, <laughs> 40, 40 times I have sat across from a table, just me and you, and you've ordered a drink. And I couldn't, for the life of me, remember, I would assume that you get water just because I know you like live a very healthy life, but I don't know if you drink something else. I don't even know if you drink alcohol. Do you drink alcohol? Occasionally. Do you have an alcoholic drink like Paul Newman, like on some, like a JTS Brown or whatever? I might have, a, I might have a glass of like, I might go LeBron and like have a glass of red wine, go Popovich LeBron and have a, have a nice classy glass of red wine. Okay. That's good to know. Are you going to have a glass of red wine after this podcast? Absolutely it, not. I don't <laughs> have any wine in this house right now. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's number five. Here's number four. Manny tries to teach Tony about oral sex which is like, that's, that's a thing you oh, that's do. That's one of my favorite scenes. That's a thing you do with friends. Uh, number three, top five small things Manny and Tony <laughs> do together to show you how close they are. The number three thing, and I love this one. Tony takes Manny with him to the zoo to look at tigers. This happens off screen. This happens off screen. But Manny is talking to Elvira about it when Tony's looking at a new car that he wants to buy to impress Elvira. And he's like, do you know what this guy's doing? He's dragging me to the zoo to look at tigers. He says he's going to buy them. And what's so touching about that to me is that Tony is inviting Manny to the zoo with him. What he's doing really is he's including him in like the pursuit of his dreams. Like this is a, this is an aspiration I have. I love this little thing. Number two, the second closest thing they do. Tony lets Manny sit in the bathroom with him while he takes a bath, while he takes a fucking bath. Good friends, good friends. How, Jason, how long, how long would I have to know you before you would let me sit in the bathroom with you while you bathe? I'd have to have the bathroom built where I have that huge round bubble bath uh -huh. with the TVs in the bathroom. And at that point, you could come in and hang out. But also, not, like, are not you not, then. is is Tony not pruning up? Like, how long are these fucking baths? I don't know. Who want An hour. It's probably an hour. I, I can very easily sit in the bath for an hour. So if you have a big bath, tub like that the big whirlpool bath yes you would you would let me in the bathroom with you absolutely you can come and hang out me and you are like scarface friends but we're not like talented mr ripley friends where it's a normal oh. bath and we're both right. in the that's not our level yet no no it's not that level it's okay. not that level no murder on lake como one day one day with you jason that's the, the level of friendship i want to be at and then the last one of my top five list and this is like a serious one but tony asks manny to take his sister home after tony runs up on her in the club. Like Gina is Tony's most prized possession. Like probably nothing means more to him than her. And Tony is like, Manny, please take her home, get her out of here. Like he trusts yeah, her. He trusts her. He absolutely I, trusts her with his, with his sister's life. These two guys love each other. They very it's clearly- a lot of deep love. It falls apart at the end, but they are like- it really does. Good, good, good friends. They're good work friends.
you know, the cocaine, it is a, it is a devil in a powder. And I think Tony broke that number one rule. He got high on his own supply and he got extremely high on his own supply. Let me give you, since you did it, I'm going to give you my five favorite small friendship moments from from Office Space. (laughs) Okay. Here's number five. So uh, Peter and Samir don't give Michael shit about the fact that he is named Michael Bolt. Not one time. Not one fucking time. That's a great, that's a great pull. That's great. They understand that he's sensitive about it. He's clearly extremely sensitive about it. Mm-hmm. And they just, they're just like, you know what? You get enough shit and that's fine. And I'm, and I'm, we're going to leave you alone with it. The other thing they do is they commiserate about how much they hate that fucking printer mm-hmm. to the point that none of them wants to kill the printer without the others. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, have yeah, to yeah. all be there <laughs> and they're, and they're passing the bat around and then when Michael like kind of loses his shit and is probably like, getting his knuckles cut up like on the plastic and on the motherboard of the printer, they drag <laughs> him off because they're like, Mike, calm down. <laughs> they trust each other enough that they are willing to engage in criminality with each other. Big time crime. Like, go to go re- to prison crimes. Federal crimes, like real crimes. That is a level of, of trust that is... You know, it's rare. I, I, I don't think that it, it's extremely rare. There, and then there's the moment when, uh, so Peter has been hypnotized and he blew off the weekend work, right? He mm-hmm. didn't go in. Lumberg was like, yeah, I need you to come in on Saturday. And then he walks away and then he's like, yeah, and also Sunday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Peter gets hypnotized and he just doesn't do it. He, he sleeps in, he like catches a fish, all that stuff. The very first thing that happens on Monday as soon as Peter walks in is Michael sees him and immediately tries to warn him like, dude, you might be in big trouble. Like stuff's going down. That's true friendship. They care about each other. They care about each other to that level. And then the other thing is they all notice that, uh, that Peter's girlfriend is probably cheating on him. That's how, you know, there's a level of familiarity there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's number one. Yeah. Just the fact that they're all like, yeah, I think that makes sense, man. Yeah. That really rang true to me because that's one of the, you know, like, have you ever had a situation where, you know, a friend of yours, like a couple friend of yours, one of them is like stepping yes. out on the other one. Yes. It's a tough, that is a tough situation to deal with. It's like, do I, do I raise it? Is this my business? Do I You tell have to be somebody? close friends you to say something. Cl- you got to be close. And so the fact that they said, yeah, that, that does make sense, actually, shows you that they are close. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, uh, let's do some categories. Should we do some categories? Let's do it. Okay, so these are our categories. These are our fun <laughs> little games, little word games that we are going to talk about that enhance our theme. And the first category is the move I could pull off. Very simply, what is the move from my movie Office Space that I think that I could pull off in real life. And you have to pick one from Office Space. I have to pick one from Scarface, right? That's how this works. And I'm going to give you some options from your movie. You give me some options from my movie. So here's yours. You have to pick which of these five things, which one of these five things could you do, Jason? Could you A, could you get fired from your job? Could you B, could you confidently ask a girl out? Could you C, could you set a building on fire? I hope that this is your, I hope that this is your yes. This is my, I hope that this is it. Number four or, or D, excuse me. Could you have trouble using an office printer 
or E, could you gut a fish? Could you gut a fish? Which of these five, Jason, which of those moves could you pull off? Well, I, I will tell you that I've done several of these in real life. Please I've been be the arson one. Please be the I've arson been fired one. from several jobs. Mm-hmm. The, the most no, I've been fired from two convenience stores. The first one for not uh, rotating the milk the first time. <laughs> and the second yeah. time, the second time because I was accused, falsely accused of eating a burrito <laughs> from the from the fridge and not logging it in the log. And let me just quickly tell you what happened is I was called into the manager. I was the manager called me into his office and it was literally like a cop movie. Like I come in, he fucking <laughs> slams the door and looks at me and goes, how long have you been doing? And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, and he like throws this clipboard down with like a printout of like all the he stuff. He had a clipboard? Like in the store. Yeah. And he's like, how long have you been stealing food? I was like, what? <laughs> anyway. Did anybody ever catch this, the, the burrito bandit or did they, did they escape? This is what, this is the thing I have to say. That place was fucking cameraed up. Cameras all over the place. Show me on tape stealing this burrito right now. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Fired me anyway. <laughs> I feel the way you're describing that one section of your story makes me feel like you definitely ate that burrito. Show me the definitely. Where's the proof? <laughs> Innocent until proven guilty. That's the basis of <laughs> law in the West. Okay, okay. I am innocent. Which, okay. Which of these could you do? But there's no burrito one on here. Uh, so I can gut a fish pretty easily, but I don't think that, uh, to me, that's like a lot of people can do that. Specifically to this movie, using the office printer is something that I've always been mystified by. It is way too hard in every office I have ever been in to use the fucking printer. <laughs> There's always like some key code that you need to enter and then you hit print and you have to select from this bank like a drop down menu of like 15 different printers and they're all named like bizarre, like Peter F25 SQ nine. It's like, what is, I don't understand how any of this stuff works. So printer, that is my answer. The printer. All right. I accept that one. So for you, Shay, yes. here are your choices. All right, give me Move that you could pull off from Scarface. Number one, could you theoretically, allegedly, we got to be careful here because we don't want to incriminate <laughs> ourselves. Could you deal drugs? <laughs> I feel like my list is going to be way different than yours. It's going to be very <laughs> my different. My options. <laughs> Next, could you be a government informant? Could you inform for the federal government? Okay. <laughs> Next, could you kill someone? Could you take someone's okay, life? Let's take, let's take that one off the table immediately. Could you, could you own a tiger? Oh. Chained up on your property. Across, I like that one. Across a very narrow stream. On some Carol Baskin shit. Let's so go. On some, she, <laughs> Shay, uh, would you like to come down and see the tiger? We've got the tiger down here. Uh, and then finally, could you make a scene, have an argument with your partner and a friend in a restaurant? Shay, what will it be? Deal drugs, government informant, kill someone, own a tiger, make a scene. Okay. I'm, th I'm, I'm, thinking my way, I'm thinking my way through this lit. I think at a certain level, at a certain level, I could probably... 
I, they sound like moves I could pull off to a reasonable extent. I might have trouble killing someone. I think I could probably get there if I needed to, or like by accident with my car or something like that. But if we're looking for, for, for the one of these things that I would be the best at, which one of these am I going to be like the Tim Duncan of that thing on the list? <laughs> I think, I, th- I think I got to I think I got to go government informant. That's the one oh! for me. Shay, you snitching? I could give you 19 good years of government informing. Like we're going, we're going to the government informant playoffs every year, Jason. You're going to get some, you're going to get some government informant MVPs. We're going to bring home like a few snitching championships. They will, they will know my name when my government informant career is over. First ballot, first ballot snitching hall of fame. I'm picturing you right now, like at the end of Goodfellas being like, yes. 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 (laughs) Yes. <laughs> whatever, it, whoever you got to talk to, whatever, whoever you got to speak to, I'm just going to say this once and I mean it. Just nowhere cold. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's me. It's Henry Hill from Goodfellas, Fredo from The Godfather, Frank Costello from Departed, and Pookie from New Jack City. That's your inaugural class of the Snitching Hall of Fame. You're an FBI informant. Are you fucking kidding me? grow up when you and me walk into that interrogation room you fucking make sure your voice recorder has brand new batteries jason because i'm telling on everybody (laughs) everybody everybody is going down that's my move i could pull off (laughs) i'm patting you i'm patting you down now every time we're in the same place i'm patting you down this episode is brought to you by cars.com When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Next category. (laughs) This is a cafeteria table, Jason. I love this one. Here's an easy way to understand this category. Picture a cafeteria table, something like what you would find in a high school. And you know how certain people sit at certain tables during lunch? Like there's a cool kid table and a nerdy kid table and a jock table and so on. 
That's what this is. But instead of it being high school kids who sit at this particular table, now it's work friends from movies. It's a table full of characters who were work friends in whatever movie it was that they were in. And there are six spots at this table that are available. Manny and Tony get a spot. My guys from Scarface. Samir and Peter and Michael get a spot. So two spots are gone. We've got four spots left. Who are the groups of friends who get to uh, take those spots? You get, you get two picks. And I get two picks, Jason. You go first. Give me, give me one of yours. Who's sitting at this table? Man, I'm gonna go number one pick. I'm so excited to hear who this is. I, I had a lot. I had a bunch of people in mind, but I think my number one pick. I want some experience. I want some institutional knowledge. I want some fuck it. I don't care. You already fired me. Energy. I'm gonna go with Frank Barnes <laughs> from Unstoppable, played by Denzel Washington. What a pick! heroic train engineer who saves most of Pennsylvania from a devastating train crash, this train carrying <laughs> like various chemicals that were just leveled cities. Uh, and Frank Barnes is like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it my way. A lot of people are telling me <laughs> how, how I should do it, but I'm going to do it my way because I understand the railroads. And guess what? I've already been let go. I've already been fired. I need that kind of experience and wisdom on my side. And you know, that guy's going to have some stories. That's my first pick. Who's his workplace friend in the movie? Is it Will? Is it? Yeah. Okay. That's what they I become thought. I wanna, they, become, yeah, I, they become wonderful friends. I, I wasn't sure how you're playing that, but sure. That's yeah. a good pick. Anytime you could take Denzel, you got to take Denzel. You got to like, take him. You got to, you got to do it. You, you got to take him. All right. Let me, let me give you, let me give you mine. So, so far we have who we have Scarface. Uh, Manny and Tony, we have the office space guys, and now we have Denzel and Unstoppable. I want to add one more group of like criminals to the table. That's what I want. We've got six spots. I want three of those spots to be filled with people who have committed crimes because I think that 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 like allows us <laughs> to get into some very interesting conversation. So this is who I want for my first pick. Um, this this section belongs to Ramona and Destiny from Hustlers. Give me, I I oh, I, I gotta have those one. two good workplace friends right there. I they're just it's just such a fun movie to watch. Jennifer Lopez is outstanding in this movie. Yeah, can we? Can I just for just for a moment? Can I just call out? Let me just say to anyone who has not seen Hustlers, Jennifer Lopez in this movie, it's like looking at the Grand Canyon. It's like an untouchable impeccable, natural wonder of the world that you are watching when you see this. And when I say the, the dance scene in which her character is introduced, it's like nothing you've ever seen in your life. Jennifer Lopez is 50 years old and she does stuff in this scene that I, I didn't even know was a thing. I didn't know that bodies could move in this way. It's just like truly amazing. It was like watching Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> Everybody makes a big fuss about that one particular scene. I think this is the second best performance of her entire career. I think it goes Selena. She should have got nominated for an Oscar there. She should have won that Oscar outright, um, to be perfectly honest. And then I think it's Hustlers. And then I think it's Out of Sight. I think those three movies, if you want to see like what Jennifer Lopez can do in a movie, Pick one of those. Anyway, that's my first pick. There's there's a kinship there among those criminals that I would like to like lean into a little bit. So there you go. There's my one. You've got one more pick, Jason. I'm going to go with, from the 2007 uh, movie by Tony Gilroy, Michael Clayton, starring George Clooney. 
I'm okay. going to go <laughs> Arthur Edens, played by Tom Wilkinson. Arthur Edens is a brilliant attorney who has a mental break, which is triggered by a, a sudden awakening of his morality. And he decides that the company that he is defending from a, a lawsuit about their uh, weed killer giving people cancer is actually an evil company. And he flips and decides, I'm going to bring down this case. I just think that that is the kind of moral fiber that we need in the world. And Arthur was a fascinating guy. He gets eventually assassinated by the company. Tough stuff for my guy. But I thought that he just had a level of brilliance, loved bread, uh, loved to talk. <laughs> <laughs> loved bread. <laughs> There's a famous, there's a great scene where he's just walking down the street with like a bag of French bread. <laughs> he loved talking about this fantasy series that Michael Clayton's son was watching. Like he's just a guy who can talk to people and he had gotten in touch with his heart and his generosity. And I think that that's something that's really necessary in this world. So I want to, I want to have Arthur Edens at the table. I, <laughs> I think this is a bad pick. I think really, <laughs> I think why? Because he dies. Pick. No, listen. Because I think if I'm like, hey, Jason, we're gonna go to dinner. I'm gonna bring a buddy of mine. Hey, guess what? He's got fucking 25 bread takes that I can't wait for you to hear. Like he's bread heavy, and like that's not a conversation that. I have. Are you kidding? I wanted like tell me about the bread. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me. I'm gonna recap because we have five of the six. Manny and Tony from Scarface. There's one spot. Samira, Peter, and Michael, office space, there's another. Ramona and Destiny from Hustlers, Frank and Will from Unstoppable, Arthur and Michael from Michael Clayton. So we have one spot left, and I'm going to go here. I'm going to go back to my 90s. I need my two guys. This is, a, this is the other movie I gave strong consideration to, to talking about when we, when we decided on this category. I need some good times. I need some like slightly racist jokes that like friends make amongst each <laughs> other. Give me, give me Lee and Carter from Rush Hour. Oh! We have enough criminals at the table. We have enough criminals. I think we need a couple of cops in there just to balance out what we've got, what we've got going on. I think that's a good, that's a good mix. Steve, Steve, can you give us a line? Can we go through like each one? Can we get one line from each movie for each of the characters? Can we do that? Give me one line from Scarface. Say hello to my little friend. Give me one line from Office Space. Why don't you just... Uh... Go by Mike instead of Michael. No way. Why should I change? He's the one who sucks. Give me one line from Rush Hour. Let me show your goofy ass how to do this. Give me one line from Hustlers. This city, this whole country, is a strip club. Give me one line from Unstoppable. We head in this hot, we'll tear right off the track. And then the trophy here. Give us some big special effects going into this, Steve. Crowd roaring, horns, fucking Luda. everything, everything. <laughs> We gotta have it. We gotta have it. Give us the bread line, Steve. Y'all ready for this? It's it's still warm. It's the best bread I ever tasted. <laughs> That's dumb. Next category. Yes. This is our connection contest. Very simply, you and I will compete to see who can come up with the most similarities. Between these two movies. Got to go fast. You have to go fast. There's no- I'm ready. No, I'm no ready. No stalling here. No stalling. You go first. Both movies involve embezzlement. That's a solid start. 
Both movies have scenes where friends sit in a restaurant together. Ooh. The love interest in each movie was previously involved with the protagonist's boss. Now, I know in Office Space, this is a this is a misconception. It's a miscommunication. But I think because the name is the same, let's keep it because that's what Peter thinks. I feel like you're already cheating. We just started. What are you talking about? First time right. we play this game. Get out of here. Both movies have characters who are afraid to go to prison. Okay. <laughs> Both heroes discover that career success doesn't equal happiness. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. That's sweet. Both movies have characters who will break the law, but only up until a certain point. They won't go beyond. They've got, they've got a moral wow. code. Uh, both films have incredible soundtracks. Oh, you're stretching now. You're stretching. Okay, wait, wait, wait. No, no. You, I, can, I can amend. If, if uh, Let me go with the judge, Steve. No, I'm, I'm allowed okay. that. They both have great soundtracks. Both movies have characters who are working dead-end jobs that they hate. Both films have incredible montages. Damn it feels good to be a gangster in Office Space and take it to the limit in Scarface. You just made up for your last one. Okay. Oh, here, here's one. Here's one. Both movies have scenes where a boss gets described as a pig. Ooh, that's a, cut. That's a good one. Let's go. I'm playing for keeps, Jason. I'm playing for keeps. Both films feature heroes that go on tirades while zonked out of their minds. Peter after being hypnotized, Tony after being on a combination of coke and alcohol. I don't know if we can call what Peter was doing a tirade. I think it was the literal opposite of that. Steve. Well, he, ta he talks his shit. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Both movies star guys who are chasing after the affection of a white woman. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Both films have arguments that take place inside of cars. Oh, we're really going. All right. I'm going to stretch that one a little bit. Both movies have scenes where someone nearly dies in a car. The car crash in office space and then almost almost exploding it in, in Scarface. Both heroes break up with their romantic partners because of jealousy. <laughs> Tony's nickname in the movie is Scarface. In the movie Office Space, there's a verse by a rapper named Scarface. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah. I start the season out 0 for 1. I'm 0 and 1. I'm yeah. in a losing, I'm in a losing streak already. <laughs> Next category. This one is I'm good with it. This is the easiest category, Jason. It's the easiest one to explain. It's the fastest one we do. Jason, how do you feel about the state of work friends movies? Would you A, watch more of them, or B, are you good? I'd absolutely watch more of them. I think it's a timeless genre. You know, there, there's only a certain number of settings that people have relationships in. There's the family, there's your romantic relationships, there's school, and there's work. Those are the circles that people run in. And so I think this is an inexhaustible like source of stories and yes, absolutely, I will continue to watch workplace comedies, workplace dramas, because we're just going to keep putting those out. What about you? Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Even when we were doing the like cafeteria table thing, I, I put my whole list together of like possible people to put in there. It was like 20 movies deep before I even got to one that I like maybe didn't like as much as all the rest, like Taylor and Zavala and End of Watch. The Social Network with Mark and Eduardo, Beverly Hills Cop, Axel, Rosewood, and Tag Tango and Cash, A League of Their Own, Remember the Titans, White Men Can't Jump. Like these are all workplace movies, work friends movies. I would watch a million of these. Come on, bro. 
I like I like different kinds of coffee. I'm gonna have different uh, different flavors of coffee. I don't. I have no idea who that That's impression from of was. <laughs> <laughs> Next category. Next category. It's our special acknowledgement. This is where we take a detail from the movies that we think deserves some specific praise. We pull it out and we talk about it. Number one, first of all, shout out my guy, John C. McGinley, as one of the Bobs in Office Space. Incredible. John C. McGinley as Dr. Cox and Scrubs is one of my all-time favorite TV creations. I just love him. When I see him in any movie, I'm like, oh shit, what up, Dr. Dr. Cox is here. I can't wait to see him do like some Dr. Coxy type things. He's beautiful. I love him. That's my first one. Special acknowledgement number two, shout out to shit working out. I just love it. Scarface and, and Office Space end in dramatically different ways. And one of them, everything falls apart and all of your favorite people in the movie end up dead. And then in the other one, it looks like everything's going to fall apart. But then Milton sets the building on fire and everyone escapes and no one has to go to prison. And it just makes, <laughs> it just makes, it just makes me feel good. I love that ending. I love when movies back someone into like a trap. And then that person, either through ingenuity or luck or both, is like able to wiggle free from there. Special acknowledgement number three, Scarface is filmed in three main sections. There's a first section, which is where we watch Tony sort of walk toward becoming a drug kingpin. There's a third section, which is where we watch everything fall apart for Tony. And then there's the middle section, the montage that you talked about, the success montage, where we watch him rocket into power. I love a success montage. It's beautiful. What's, what's really interesting about, about this one in particular is the success montage stitches together the first and the third part. And a thing that I didn't notice until a few months ago when I was rewatching it is the time allotments for each of these sections. The first section is 103 minutes. The movie is 170 total. The first section is 103 minutes. And that makes sense because climbing your way up from like a refugee camp to a position of true criminal power and true criminal prestige, is like a, that's a hard thing to do. The third section, uh, that one takes 60 minutes. And that makes sense because it's like usually easier for everything to fall apart than it is to like build it up. But that success montage in the middle, it's so small. It's so tiny. It's barely three minutes long. And I don't think we need to like point out the symbolism here, but if we do, the like good parts of being a drug dealer, super small it compared to everything else. Super, super small. So maybe, you know, watch this movie. Don't don't go be a don't go be a drug dealer. And then my last one is Elvira. Michelle Pfeiffer is outstanding. It is outstanding here in the performance, but I think it's just really interesting to think about. She's the only one who was like around Tony that didn't end up dead. And that's to me like, oh, she was, I think she's smarter than everyone else, number one. And then also, I just really like to think about, was there like a point in her life afterward where she escapes from all this and she's out on a date with a new guy and they're just there, they're just there having a, having a time. And he's like, oh, how, you know, you were married before. How, how'd that turn out? And he's like, oh yeah, I was married to a, he's a drug dealer. He got murdered. And then it's just fucking tension. And then Jason, and then you've got to like try to break the ice and be like, oh, what about like if the guy, did you date someone before that? And she's like, oh yeah, he's a drug dealer who was murdered. Fucking outrageous. If I'm Elvira, <laughs> the next person that I date, I just want to be like the manager of like a Starbucks. Like have the most low key she needs Peter. job ever. She needs Peter yes. from Office Space. As soon as Peter is like, hey, I'm thinking about embezzling from the company. She's like, no, absolutely not. No. No, no, no. Let me tell you what happened with my last boyfriend, Peter. 
He got in a huge gun battle at our mansion with like 40 people from the Bolivian cocaine cartel and fired grenades into the home, was shot 40 times, didn't go down because he was so coked up, and then eventually got shot in the back. You want that to happen to you, Peter? And Peter would be like, you know what? That's fine. I'll just continue to make 90 grand a year and hate my job. That's actually fine. Give me some special acknowledgments. My special acknowledgement number one. Let's start positive. Jennifer Aniston. I want like Jennifer Aniston is a star, absolutely a huge star. The Clearly. breakout star of Friends, right? When I watch this, I'm like, man, people don't give her enough respect as a comedic actress. She's really funny in this. She's so great. the The scene, the kung fu scene, where he's where Peter finally asks her out. They have. They have lunch at Flingers. And then finally he's like, hey, do you want to come over and watch Kung Fu? And then like her demeanor changes and she is enthralled by the idea of hanging out with this guy and watching Kung Fu. And the funny comes out of the fact that you think this beautiful put together uh, woman, there's no way that she's like nerdy enough to be like, yeah, let's just watch Kung Fu, which is a weird whitewashing show from the 70s in which a white man plays like a Kung Fu <laughs> Stephen Carradine <laughs> plays a kung fu um, but that and that part of it is just she's just so great in every scene in this um, and stands up for herself like when when Peter flips out because she slept oh, with yeah, Lumberg in the car eventually yeah. eventually we find out a different Lumberg but just the fact like yeah what did you think she was a virgin like people have lives before you meet them just a great character and Jennifer Aniston is wonderful in this movie yeah she's super funny next Next special acknowledgement. This is an overused trope in every action movie, and it happens in Scarface. Okay. When it's someone gets shot and they go, I'm fine, it just went through. You don't like you don't like that? You don't like that? It happens in the in the in the scene where they first go to do, do the very first drug deal. Yeah, my guy Manny. My guy Manny. It's okay, it just went through. What is so you just you get shot and it goes through your body? And now you're like, you're like Wolverine. You just like the healing factor kicks in and you're going to be fine because it just goes through. If it go, if it gets stuck in there, that's where the trouble starts, because now you've got to go to a hospital to get that bullet taken out. If it goes straight through, you're fine. You just stitch up, stitch up the wounds and then you can just sit tight until it until it heals. Like if it, 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 it misses every major organ. He's fine. I, I think this is an overused trope, especially because when they use it, it is always announced by the character saying, I'm fine. It just went through. It went clean through. I'm good. My argument for that against it being an overused <laughs> trope is this movie came out in 1983. Okay, that's, yes, that's, okay. They were, if, if, there was not overused at the time. That was probably the first time somebody did this. Fair. Next. <laughs> I appreciate the way office space calls out and is unapologetic about Michael Bolton played by David Herman. Michael Bolton's being like racist in a way that makes sense to anybody that had, that knows white people like Michael Bolton. Like yeah, yeah, when yeah. he's, he's rapping in the car and mm -hmm. then he sees a black person walking down the street and he immediately like locks his door. <laughs> like, yeah. That is like just, so relatable in terms of like experience. And I like that I like that the movie didn't didn't 
shy away from being like, yeah, this guy is kind of racist also. Like he's a little bit of a racist. Because it would have been real easy for that that scene right there to make it like the joke is that the black guy is scary. Yes. But they weren't doing that. They were saying the joke here is that the white guy is racist. Yes. And that's, and I think that's a really, really important point. Plus like that, the joke is that this guy is like rapping along to hardcore gangster ghetto boys and sees a black person and now is terrified. That's the joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, th- and I really appreciated that that scene is, in the movie. And then I'll just say, like, I appreciate montages. I love a success montage. I like wonderful, wonderful. I hope one day some <laughs> portion of my life can be encapsulated by a success montage. I'll, it's not going to be it, this podcast. I'll tell it's you, it's not going to be this. <laughs> but hopefully, we are on the way there. And that's it. Like, I just, I, I love it. I love a success montage. And again, Michelle Pfeiffer, this and Lady Hawk. And what lies beneath? Michelle Pfeiffer, an absolute queen. Love her. Grease two. Grease two, Michelle Pfeiffer. I need a cool rider. I need a cool rider. Let's go. Here's my issue with Grease two. The guy's British all of a sudden. Yeah. Where'd this British guy come from? Britain. Why is That's he where in, they you, come why from? Why is he in school in America? Weirdly. Foreign exchange right. program. Fine, I guess. All right. Who knows? Next. Last category. Last category, Jason. The Rodriguez. Every episode ends with the Rodriguez, Jason. You love Michelle Rodriguez. I love Michelle Rodriguez. So each week, each week, Jason, we have to figure out how to connect our movie to Michelle. And five or fewer steps is like the goal. It's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, except better because it's Michelle Rodriguez and not Kevin Bacon. And Jason, we have been working on this podcast for eight weeks at this point, and I still don't all the way understand the rules here. I know, (laughs) I know we have to get it in as few steps as possible. But I think Steve, who is the judge for this category, is also taking into like quality of the connections that we're making. I think that should be a thing. So if, the, if we both do it in two moves, Steve has to pick a winner. There are no ties in the Rodriguez. Well, how many, how many can you do it in? Because I, I can I, do it. I, I, can, I think I win, honestly. I think I'm going to win this one. I don't think you're going to. Whatever. We're just going to do it and then watch. Steve is going to pick mine. I give you my two best. Here's, here's, here's my first one. Okay. How many steps? I've got three arrows. So I think it's three moves. Mary uh, Elizabeth Master Antonio. Love her. She's in the, uh, she's in Scarface. I mean, okay. She's also in the color of money with Tom Cruise. It's in the way that you use it. There it is. She's in the color of money with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is in night and day with Gal Gadot. Wow. And Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot, Michelle Rodriguez, fast five. Let's go. Okay. Let's okay. go. Yeah, I got one and I could do it in one step. <laughs> what a move what a I can move. do it in one step I don't believe I don't believe this because every time you say okay. one step it's like I three steps one step. that you're trying Orlando to mush together jo- Orlando Jones is in this movie he is the uh, salesman who comes door to door and is trying to sell candy while everybody is at the at yeah. Peter's place watching TV mm-hmm. Orlando Jones voiced one of the uh, one of the Marines in the video game Halo 2 Oh, wait, 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 wait. We don't have to use movies. I thought it was movies. No, it's to Michelle Rodriguez. I thought it was movie specific. Yeah. We're talking, we're talking Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, God dog it. (laughs) (laughs) That's tough. That's tough. 
That's incredible, Jason. That's unbelievable. Yeah! I gotta admit, I gotta admit, I was, I was, I, I thought I had like a Joker in my hand. This is what I was gonna do. I'm, okay. I'm, I can see, I can see defeat. I was ready to fight. I got, I gotta concede defeat, Jason. You went two and zero oh on this one. Here's what I was gonna do though, and this is completely yeah, ridiculous. But I was gonna make this was gonna be my main thing. I was going to say, in Scarface, when they go to kill whoever it is that they're supposed to kill, and they're sitting in the car, the car that they're sitting in is a Ford. Okay. And I was going to say the car that oh, Letty God, crashes, <laughs> that Letty crashes. Dominic Toretto says, you crashed this Ford with my sister in the car <laughs> in Fast and Furious 6. This podcast is canceled. <laughs> this podcast is canceled. 0 for 2. I'm 0 for 2 today. This fucking sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. That's it for today. Thanks to everyone who sat through this ridiculous podcast. On behalf of myself, Shay. Super producer Steve Allman and everyone at The Ringer. We hope you're staying safe and healthy. Please join us for the next episode of The Connect when our theme is, hey, I thought this computer was my friend. I will be talking about Upgrade, starring Logan Marshall Green. <laughs> Shay will be talking about Ex Machina. Watch those movies before the next episode. Thanks, everyone. In this scene from Scarface, Tony is speaking with Sosa, the Bolivian drug lord, who is about to reveal that Tony's compatriot, Omar, was a snitch. I like you, Shay. There's no lying in you. Unfortunately, I do not feel the same way about your co-host. <laughs> that was so bad, Steve. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Mr. Omar? <laughs> I'm talking about Jason Concepcio. Several years ago in New York, he was an informer for the police. You're not, you're not catching me doing an accent, all right? I'm not doing this. You're not trapping me. Oh, shit. Keep that whole thing in there. Keep it's that so whole funny. thing. No. It's funny that we're laughing, honestly. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.